Now it's our turn to, uh, sorry for the words, but put our balls on the table. Remember, kids, this is not how you play hockey. It's just ugly. I like it. Where you guys? I'm doing this. You know what? I love ice cream, too. Go back to Canada, Gila Fleur. Game on! Yeah, game on! Hello and welcome into another episode of the Hockey Show right here on Mile High Sports. I am your host, JJ Derez. With me today, we've got a bit of a line change. we got Arif Dean, Ryan Bolding out with an upper body injury. The heart. It's the heart he's missing here, Arif. <laughs> but Arif, thanks for hanging out with me on the Hockey Show. I'm excited to talk hockey with you. Uh, for those who don't know, you and I have a podcast together, also right here on Mile High Sports, where we break down the avalanche a couple times a week. So I'm excited for this. You know, this is what it's like when worlds collide, I like to say, right? It's the podcast and the hockey show all in one. So thanks for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. I'm a little nervous about being on a live show where we can't edit out all the mistakes I'm going to make. Whoa, 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 Eric. <laughs> I tell you every week, stop stop giving away our secrets. We don't edit anything. But yeah, the hockey show is a lot different. So no cursing. Keep that in mind, Eric. Yes, no cursing today. I will try. Unlike the podcast. But just like we start every show, we got matinee money for you today. No games going on during our show for the first time all season, I yeah, believe. So I that's so. nice. But um, I'm actually going back on the parlay that I had last Saturday because I lost on that one. I haven't only lost on that one. I've lost a lot. I think my record's four and nine on these matinee money. So you probably don't want to take it. But I'm looking for a rebound here. So I'm going something nice and easy. I've got Boston and Pittsburgh both parlayed on victories today. Boston playing the New York Rangers, who were bruised and battered, as we'll get into in a second, and Pittsburgh playing the lowly Buffalo Sabres. So I'm feeling good about that parlay. It's only a minus 141, but I need a W here on public picks. Yeah, Buffalo's been doing pretty good lately, but now they got this goalie that let in eight goals the other day. So I think it's I think that's a pretty decent pick, especially the Rangers being, as like you said, bruised and battered. They're just, at this point, they're just throwing in the towel waiting for the season to end. Right. I mean, that segues us perfectly into the conversation that dominated the hockey yes. world this week right yes. and let's get right into it and that's tom wilson not getting suspended for his antics against the new york rangers only the five thousand dollar fine of course you know kind of acting a fool out there on the ice I, I guess what's your take on it what do you think should have happened and and what do you think about tom wilson's performance there okay so tom wilson's a great player he is a very effective hockey player at what he does but i have a couple of opinions about that number one should he have been suspended yes absolutely Number two, the the argument that people make that, well, if this was someone else, we wouldn't even be talking about it. Yeah, that's right. If this was someone else, we wouldn't be talking about it. But it's Tom Wilson. It's someone that does this all the time. So we are talking about it. We, sh we should be talking about it. He should have gotten suspended. And he should have been able to at least gauge as it was going on that he had a hold of Artemi Panarin, who's 5'10", listed at like 180 or 190 the guy can't be more than like 160 on a good day and you should be able to recognize i'm a much bigger stronger person and i need to pull away like many other players do they pull away from the scrums when they realize who they're against but he was unable to control his temper unable to control his anger he absolutely should have gotten suspended in all honesty you know and this is probably not great for radio but i'm still on the fence on this i really don't feel strongly in either direction and i think that's for a few reasons what what makes you say he should be suspended because the fine was for what he did to was it buchnevich yeah. on the floor um and what artemi what happened between him and artemi panarin that's the part that bothers me is the nhl went out of their way to specify this was for what he did to buchnevich which in the end he could get suspended for you know basically 
crazy roughing or whatever you want to call it. I forget how it's worded in the rule book, but the reality is this is the kind of thing they're trying to take out of the game, body slamming someone to the floor, letting them hit their head on the ice. Uh, could have been a lot worse, but it was bad enough where Panarin's not playing again and he's having a heck of a season. Granted, he wasn't going to make the playoffs, but I don't think you should be throwing the book at him. I don't think this should have been a 30, 20, 30, 40 gamer like what we saw with Rafi Torres. But there should have been a suspension there just to say Tom Wilson needs to get his act together. I mean, we saw it with Matt Cook. Matt Cook kept getting suspended. He kept doing boneheaded things. He had to sit down with Mario Lemieux, of all people. And Lemieux had to sit him down and talk to him and be like, you need to stop this or you're not going to be here much longer. Get your damn act together, okay? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't think I'm on board because what he did to Artemi Panarin, I think, was warranted because Artemi Panarin jumped on his back. I mean, sure, I, I'm with you. Tom Wilson doubles Artemi Panarin in size. But when you have somebody jumping on your back, you don't know who it is. You don't care. You're just looking to get them off and yeah, you're looking and to you, toss them. And you do. You get them off. You toss them. Then you're in a scrum with Artemi Panarin. Realize who you're in a scrum with and lay back. Have you seen the fights where two guys are going at it and then there's always that one guy who can get the extra punch in and then he stops. Right, especially if somebody falls, right? Especially if somebody falls. Being able to recognize in the moment what is happening is a very well the emotions got the best of him. Well then don't don't let the emotions get the best of you. There I mean you there's no excuse for him to not be able to say, yeah, Panarin jumped him. The funny thing is Panarin jumped him for the thing that caused Wilson to get a $5,000 fine. Mm -hmm. So Wilson made a mistake. Panarin came in to stick up for his teammates. And then Wilson turned around, threw him off. Very much an acceptable thing to do. But once you realize who you're going against, if that was Eric Johnson and Artemi Panarin, I'd be saying the same thing. Once Johnson realized who was on his back, once Wilson realized who it was, you should be able to just get away, which you can do. I look at it, and th this is what kind of does rub me the wrong way about the whole scenario. And it's, okay, Tom Wilson, arguably the toughest guy in the NHL, right? Yeah. Who's the other toughest guy in the NHL? Ryan Reeves. Exactly. So you compare the two. And when you see Ryan Reeves getting into it with people, it's never angry. It's never, he always has a smile on yeah. his face. It's like, always like, are you very, serious? Do you very really, Ray Emery-like. Do you really it. think you could take me on? Tom Wilson did this angrily, right? This was him just, you know, some wires crossed and something got loose and he was pissed. Well, if you watch the rest of the game, he was already, his screws were already loosed far before this. He was already on a bit of a spree of, of being pissed off and angry. He was in the penalty box flexing at the Rangers mm -hmm. and he was already pissed off to the point where you just knew something bad was going to happen. And, and that's the, that's what makes it even worse. It's knowing Tom Wilson is angry earlier in the game and then he does this later in the game. And the NHL should have been able to sit down and be like, you are a professional athlete making $5 million a year. You are very effective in what you do, but you have to control your anger to the point where you're not body slamming a 170-something pounder onto the floor, letting him hit his head on the ice. Oh, and by the way, he's a top 10 player in the NHL. That just can't happen. Again, I don't think you should throw the, t the book at Tom Wilson. I don't believe any of this BS where it's, you know, see, I didn't swear there. Nice. I don't see any of this where it's like you got to <laughs> throw him out of the game and throw the book at him. But you have to have a suspension there, even if it's a two, three, four gamer, just to say, Tom, you need to settle down at least a little bit here. I think I would have been fine with the one game suspension just because what you saw in Sue in the following game between the Rangers and the Capitals, game two of their two game series there was just dumb, right? I mean, right off the face off, all three forwards kind of get into a 
quote unquote fight, but it was really yeah. just a, a lame hockey. Let's wrestle around and tug jerseys. Right. And then yeah. you see all three of the forwards uh, from Washington get in the box. They're high fiving each other. I'm like, what are you high fiving for? That was literally nothing. It was, it was just a big jock fight in, in this high school cafeteria. Like it was, it was nothing that mattered. The only fight that did matter was Brendan Smith jumping on Tom, Tom Wilson as soon as he took the ice, which is a great move because if you're the New York Rangers for the last couple of days, all you're hearing is we're soft. You're well, not we, you are soft. You're a soft hockey team. You have no strength. You have no ability, nobody to stand up to Tom Wilson. We saw the guy that scored on the abs yesterday, Brendan Lemieux, the Rangers traded him. Mm -hmm. You don't think the son of Claude Lemieux would have lost his mind and jumped Tom Wilson if he was still on the Rangers. So they didn't have anybody to do it. So Brendan Smith said, you know what? I'm going to do this. And even though he didn't really do the best job, Wilson got the best of him. There was still that respect there to say our star player was hit. Here is Brendan Smith coming and sticking up for his star player, knowing he's overmatched and he's going to lose a fight. And that's where I was going to go is Brendan Smith did not send a message to Tom Wilson whatsoever. He tried, but I don't think the message was delivered. Well, so Tom Wilson's the kind of player where you're not going to get him regardless. But I think I mean, you're never going to send a message to Tom Wilson. He's the kind of guy that gets under someone's skin, kind of like Brad Marchand and does a good job at it. But what Brendan Smith did was send a message to the rest of the Rangers team and to the rest of the NHL that. Yeah, we don't have a, a, a tough guy on this team, but we're still going to stand up for each other. One of us will do it, even if we're overmatched. And I, I think there's a lot of respect in that, especially with the, the code, as they like to say in hockey. So that brings me to the classic conversation. What direction do you think this event takes the NHL? Do, they, do you start to see another wave of enforcers, of guys who can sheriff the game out there on the ice? Or what do you, what do you think the reaction to this is? The reaction to this is going to be kind of like the Maple Leafs these last three, four years. Everybody's going to realize that you need one guy on your team or two guys on your team that are both skilled and can fight. There's no more days of David Kochi. That's not happening anymore. That dude was brutal. He was just not a good hockey player. But you got to have a Kadri. You got to have a Landeskog, a Matt Calvert, a Pierre-Edward Belmar, and Eric Johnson. You got to have those kind of guys on your team. And again, go back to the Maple Leafs. They got rid of Kadri because of all those suspensions. But they went out of their way this year to add Wayne Simmons. They went out of their way a couple years ago to add Jake Muzzin. Then they traded for Nick Foligno. Now they have those tough sandpaper guys in the lineup. And if you're the Rangers, I mean, Wayne Simmons is a UFA this year. You're going to go after him. Zach Hyman's a UFA. You're going to go after him. You're going to try to trade for someone. Heck, call up one of Ottawa or Calgary and, and, and try to bring in a Kachuk brother. You're going to do something because you now have a Tom Wilson problem and you need to solve that Tom Wilson problem. I like how you looped the avalanche into this. Let's, you know, kind of throw them in into this scenario. If Tom Wilson were to, let's say he ragdolled Kale McCarr as he yeah. did Artemi Panarin. Who on the avalanche takes care of Tom Wilson? Landeskog jumps him instantly because he'd be on the ice at the same time. And then might end up with a broken orbital bone. It doesn't matter. It's you still this is this is that two way street. You can't have it both ways. You can't say enforcers suck. We can't have them in the lineup, but your skills guys can't fight because we don't want him to get hurt. Do you want Nazem Kadri to get hurt? No. But if you need to use Kadri, you're going to. If you need to use Landis Gog, you will. Eric Johnson. Heck, Nathan McKinnon dropped the gloves the other day and Jared Bednar said, I'm OK with him doing it. Just don't get hurt doing it, which is exactly the point. You can't have it both ways. If you're Matthew, even if you're Tom Wilson, if you're Tom Wilson and Ryan Reeves gets under your skin. Why would you fight Ryan Reeves? You're a top liner. You play with Ovechkin. Ryan Reeves plays on the fourth line in Vegas. But you're going to do it because you're skilled and you're tough. And those are the kind of guys that are going to fight nowadays. You can't have it both ways. Uh, if only they made more Tom Wilsons. Last thing real quick. We only have a minute here, but it wasn't all bad news out of that series. TJ Oshie 
the day after his father passes away, comes out and scores a hat trick. Very emotional, very good to see for TJ. That's Oshie. a great moment, and it's going to be funny in, in five, ten years from now when we think back to the Tom Wilson game and we think back to the TJ Oshie hat trick, and then we realize those were the same game. And we're going to be like, wait, those happened in the same night? And that's going to kind of catch you by surprise. But I will say really quickly before we finish the segment, another thing came out of that was the Rangers going on a firing spree. But now our old friend Chris Drury is the GM and president of the Rangers. So shout out to Chris. Absolutely. So uh, stick around. That'll do it for the line change right here on the Hockey Show. We'll be right back. Let's talk some playoffs. We're going to get into some abs. And then, of course, we're going to have some fun at the end of the show. So JJ Jerez, Arif Dean stepping in for Ryan Bolding right here on Mile High Sports. We'll be right back. Now it's 16 minutes past the big hour. Is that not right, Mr. Scream? <laughs> Great, good stuff. I think people are getting really cranked. Welcome back in. It's the hockey show right here on my high sports. 98.1. Look at that. Nailing it. Only took me a month and a half to finally get it right. Don't forget to also check out every single episode on the replay. Every single podcast provider has us on there. You can check out all the past great interviews. We've had so many great guests. Arif, you're honestly one of the biggest fans of the hockey show. I know it's hard for you to miss an episode. You know, what, what are some of the best interviews that Ryan and I have had so far that you liked? I love the one with Greg Wyshynski way, way back when. And uh, I still, that one still sticks out to me because he's just a well-rounded journalist and, and he kind of brings, he brings everything you want to the table. Absolutely. I mean, and he's been around so long that you and I were still very influential when he got started, that he was very much a, a mentor, right? Yeah. It's like, man, that's who the, I want to be one day. The radio, he, he, he did it all. And that was great. I mean, you guys also had Arif Dean as a guest once. That was pretty cool. That I, was all right. That was all right. He really yeah. hogged the air on that one. Yeah. Um, but no, and w w what makes Greg so great too, is just his personality, right? I mean, yeah. he was kind of one of the first people out there in hockey media that was cussing on podcasts, was just simply being himself, yeah. he, talking about science fiction stuff on a hockey podcast. And that's what people love about it. And I think it really opened the door for guys like you and I, guys like Spit and Chicklets, anybody who's doing hockey media to kind of be more themselves and not be the vanilla that hockey culture is so used to. Yeah, and that's the cool thing about him is that he's got this big position at ESPN. He's their senior writer and he does all this ESPN work, but he's still able to have a podcast and kind of, you know, like we say, shoot the bleep mm -hmm. with his guests <laughs> and with his co-hosts and really just... Uh, be himself like you were saying man this radio thing is hard <laughs> that reminds me though while while we're on the topic of espn today there are 14 nhl games on the slate every single one of them is brought to you for free on espn plus today just for today i so, didn't that's cool i didn't know that they're prepping us for next year when they're going to take over nhl tv and I love NHL, but NHL.com is not the best, so I think ESPN is really going to knock that out of the park next year. Yep, I'm excited for that, so definitely everybody be on the lookout, and let's give them a little trial run here, right? But time to look at the playoff picture in the NHL. It's almost here, Arif, this long grind of a season, even though it wasn't that long, <laughs> felt super long. Playoff time is right around the corner. Yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot of matchups that are already set up. It's kind of like you and I were talking about the other day. We're at the point now where it's like, can we just start the playoffs? It's just been a drag and it's almost there, but not quite. You know what the crazy thing is? If it wasn't for the second avalanche uh, COVID pause, today would be the season finale. Hmm. Today was the last game on the schedule. The, the Vegas game and the two LA games are the three rescheduled games from missing those three games in that pause back in mid-April. 
Well, let's uh, let, we're going to look around the league and uh, around the playoff pictures, but let's start with the Honda West division since we kind of already started there, right? Uh, yeah. Avalanche only four points behind first place, only one game in hand, though. And the good news is they have three games against the lowly L.A. Kings and one against Vegas. Yeah. Can they get to the top of this division? They can. I mean, it's as simple as this. You beat the Kings today, you're, you're two points back, and then you're two points back with the same amount of games setting up a matchup against Vegas on Monday. It's very much doable. Vegas, I, I can't recall exactly what their schedule is, but I do remember looking at it when they had 10 games left, and they have a lot tougher competition than the Avs, seeing how the Avs, again, they're playing the Kings three times. As it sits right now, it's Avalanche versus Minnesota. You and I have discussed on our podcast, so check it out, Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast if you haven't already, that we think Minnesota is definitely the better matchup for the Avalanche. But St. Louis, because St. Louis is playing really well right now, and we've seen all season long how St. Louis can cause the Avalanche fits. Do you still buy into that theory? Because I've heard all week long how everybody thinks Minnesota's just buzzing right now that they might be the tougher competition for the Avalanche. Minnesota reminds me of the 2014 Avs, who coincidentally lost to Minnesota. Mm. I I just think at this point you're not going to have an easy matchup regardless. If you remember last year before the bubble and before the COVID pause in March 2020. The Avalanche were playing in a tough division, battling it out with Dallas and St. Louis, and, and I'm missing another team in there. Uh, and they were going to have a tough matchup regardless. Well, now it's kind of going to be the same thing in the sense where if you play Minnesota, if you play St. Louis, it's not going to be an easy out. But it's kind of coming up to that realization that as a team as good as the Avalanche are, and as a team that is expected to go on a long playoff run, there shouldn't be an easy competition in the first round. Playing Arizona, scoring 14 goals in the last two games and then getting shell-shocked by Dallas in game one of the second round because you forgot what it was like to play a good team is not an experience you want to have again. So I think it's one of those things for the Avalanche where, you know what, if you're going to be the best, you should not be worried about a Minnesota or a St. Louis in the first round. You know, since they're staying within the divisions for the playoffs in every division, those first two rounds are going to be electric. I mean, yes. you aside from the Scotia North division... You know, you've got Pittsburgh as it as it is right now. You've got Pittsburgh and the Islanders. What a great series. Yeah. Boston versus Washington. Can't wait to see that one. Then you look over uh, in the Central, right? And that's Carolina versus Nashville. If Nashville cannot lock up their playoff spot tonight against Carolina, interestingly enough. Tampa, Florida. Tampa, Florida. I'm so excited. That's going to that. be a great battle. The first Florida matchup in NHL history. We've been dying to have one of these for a long time. And both teams are good. Joel Quinville's coaching one, John Cooper's coaching the other. Those are two of the best coaches in the NHL. They're going to play a lot of mind games over seven games. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the matchup that I'm still looking at is Boston having the ability to pass Pittsburgh for first place. Granted, the Penguins are buzzing, which would set up a Pittsburgh-Washington first round and then Boston and the Islanders. There's just so many opportunities for great matchups in the first round. And, and the Honda West is the same thing. Colorado-Minnesota is a great matchup. Vegas-St. Louis is the same thing. And it's going to be the exact same thing if it's uh, Colorado-St. Louis and Minnesota-Vegas. And then let's get to the North. Uh, Montreal, much like Nashville, can lock up their playoff yes. chances tonight um, and kind of box out the Calgary Flames. And yeah. suddenly it's set up North. What do you like up North, if anything? Is Toronto, hands down, the guys coming out of this, of this one? Toronto or Edmonton. Edmonton's record doesn't show that they're as good as they are because they've been, the first 15, 20 games, they were kind of a 500 team. And since then, they've been killing it. And McDavid's doing the McDavid thing that he's been doing is just unbelievable. 
I like the first round there too, because Toronto, Montreal, yes, Toronto's better. Yes, Toronto's going to win the series, but that's a hated rivalry. And Edmonton, Winnipeg, that's also a hated rivalry. And it's great to see them playing each other. So pretty much every division you look at is going to have good first round matchups like it is every year, but it's also going to have good second round matchups, which is just what's going to make the playoffs so much more electric and why we're aching for it to start, which by the way, Elliot Friedman said is likely going to be the 15th. So a week from today. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So seven more days until playoff hockey. Um, yeah. With that, I guess, who do you think looking around at everybody who's clinched, who do you think has the toughest road? And again, as you're saying, the first and second rounds, I think are going to be awesome. Once we get to that third round, I think we're going to take a step back on quote unquote electricity. But of course, the finals are going to be back to, to normal. But the, those first two rounds are just going to be nuts. Yeah, pick a division out of the hat. Because in the Discover Central, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, one of those teams is going to have to beat two of the other ones, assuming Nashville doesn't upset them in the first round. Uh, the Mass Mutual East, Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston, and the Islanders are all good teams. And you're going to have to get through two of those to get to the third round. And then Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota, St. Louis, same exact thing. So pick a division. I mean, Toronto versus Montreal should be heavily favored in Toronto's favor, but likely Montreal will make a series out of it. And then if you win that, oh, well, now you have either Connor Hellebuck or you got to play McDavid. And Edmonton, same thing. Yes, you have Connor McDavid, but Hellebuck can steal a series. You win that, well, now you got to deal with Austin Matthews, who scores every other night, or every night, I should say. Looking at the other side of the spectrum, teams that didn't get in. I mean, you think you look at Dallas, and considering they were in the Stanley Cup final a year ago, and they're likely not in the playoff picture this year, and I know they had a ton of regulation and overtime losses, which really killed them this year. So I yeah. think they're the easy answer for a team that you expected to be there that just didn't quite make it this year. Are there any other surprises that are out of the playoffs for you that you anticipated being in there from the get-go? There's a couple. The first one is Philadelphia. They were on the they were they were on the rise, and Carter Hart is the reason why they couldn't do it again this year. And then this one is not one that I really expected at the beginning of the year. But looking at the Rangers having a plus 19 goal differential and missing the playoffs is, I believe, the highest in at least 25 years. When I looked at it last, it's it's been a while since the team has had that good of a goal differential and is going to miss the playoffs. So that one's a little bit of a shocker. Uh, the crazy thing is when you look at the teams that missed, all seven of those teams that didn't go to the bubble last year are all out again. L.A., San Jose, Anaheim, Detroit, Buffalo, New Jersey, and Ottawa. They're all going to miss the playoffs again, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't exactly a year where you could improve that much, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. If you were a good team heading into this, you're you're a good team again. And if you were a bad team, then you're still a bad team. I mean, right now, teams took a bigger dip than they did a rise. The only team that kind of took a rise was Montreal, and they made a ton of moves over the offseason, and they're still a middling team, 57 points in 53 games. It just had to be a much different year for bringing in new guys. I mean, I'm not sure if you had the chance. Gabe Landeskog was on Spitting Chicklets this week, yeah, and I don't know if you got the chance to hear it, but yep. in that, you know, talking with how the, the league is managing COVID protocols and players are to stay in their rooms, and he pointed out how it's got to be tough for guys like Brandon Saad Devon Taves, because they're newcomers to the team, but haven't really gotten to experience that camaraderie yet. And, you know, it's probably that that way across the league because you, you got chemistry is a thing. Chemistry is absolutely a thing. And that's that's going back to Montreal. They added all these guys, but these guys aren't really able to hang out outside of work. And work mm -hmm. is a two and a half hour game where you're not really talking. You're playing hockey. So it's it's kind of that sense. It's it's great that the NHL is actually looking at loosening the COVID protocols heading into the playoffs for teams that are at least 85% vaccinated, which the Avalanche are. Um, 
So that's going to help, but that's going to help the U.S. teams, not the Canadian teams. Right. So uh, we can basically count on, count on Minnesota for the for the Avalanche first round matchup at this point. Last question for you: Does Carolina lock up the President's Trophy? I think so. They haven't lost in regulation in a really long time, and I think I think they're doing the right things at the right time, and they're going to lock it up. Right on. That was fun. I'm excited for the playoffs. These last couple of weeks so have been dragging. It's so fun to get these going, and I hope the schedule works out like they did during the bubble, where we can watch games all day, every day, and not have to miss any. Because I'm just I'm ready for this. This is yeah. going to be a good one. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for PP number one. It was even strength, but we'll be back for PP number two. We're going to get into the Avs. And we're going to get in-depth on what's going on around the Colorado Avalanche. So we'll be right back. Hockey Show, J.J. Jerez, Arif Dean stepping in for Ryan Bolding. We'll be right back. Welcome back in. This is the Hockey Show. Colorado's biggest and best live hockey show. Did you know you were joining Colorado's biggest and best live hockey radio show today, Eric? That must be why I feel so paralyzed. Struck <laughs> by you. I had to throw this song in because you posted this to your Instagram the other day after you went on a run. And, uh, you know, I thought it'd be a good time to kind of get into your running habits and how, um, you know, that's just your biggest thing and how much you love doing it. And you do that more than uh, pretty much anything else you do. Yeah, and it's uh, it's just something that I enjoy doing. And when a song like this comes on, it just you're you're buzzing. No matter how long into a run you are, you're you're gonna have a fast mile just because of a song like that. So it's it's something I enjoy. I've enjoyed it for many years. I do a lot of crazy things, run a lot of miles in a short amount of time, and challenge myself to beat it next time. My knees and my joints are gonna hate me in five or six or seven months, not even years. But right now, it's 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 a fun activity for me. I'm glad you're aware of your own craziness. I just want the <laughs> hockey show listeners to get an idea of Arif Dean. If you haven't started, uh, you know, getting an idea of who he is yet. I mean, he's been all over the beat in the last two seasons. So, you know, obviously an up and comer. And make sure you're following Arif Dean. And if you like this radio show so far, check out the podcast because uh, plenty more of that there. Of course, this segment, since we're doing a little mashup with the podcast, is going to be presented by America's top-rated sportsbook hey. app. That's DraftKings Sportsbook. So. Um, you know, check them out if you haven't already. We'll get more into that in a second. But time to talk some Avs hockey. They've been on a, you know, up and down stretch. A lot of the national media, I guess the idea behind the Avalanche is that they're just simply not playing their best hockey right now. A little bit banged up. The second COVID break kind of really ruined momentum for them. But, you know, you look at that game last night against the LA Kings. No Nathan McKinnon. Avs still didn't seem phased whatsoever. Took care of business and ended up with the W. I mean, I, I hate to say this because all season we've been preaching that you got to get into the right habits heading into the playoffs, but the Avs are mailing it in, man. Mm -hmm. they, they are, and they're doing so, rightfully so because at this point you can't have more injuries. You don't want to get more banged up, and you just want to get into the playoffs. And at this point, balancing being healthy is more important than balancing winning the division. And the division is still in sight. It's still in reach. And like I said, if it wasn't for that pause, I guarantee you they would be ahead of Vegas right now closing out the season today with a victory and winning and, and having already clinched that West division. But at this point, if you're the abs, you just need to get to the playoffs healthy. Don't get into bad habits, but you don't necessarily need to get into all the good habits and peak heading into the playoffs. Like I said, Nathan McKinnon had the night off last night. Anything to look into that? Was there any particular reason or just simply a break for the kid? 
Jared said in the morning after the morning skate yesterday that uh, a couple of guys were banged up and they were looking at who, if anyone, was going to not dress. And I think that's the conversation they had with Nate is why risk getting an injury or further having a bigger injury when we can just rest you, probably beat this team still uh, and and have you ready for the playoffs. And even if we do lose Friday or today, Saturday, they're, they're playing the LA Kings again and likely Johansson will get the start just because it's a back-to-back. Uh, if McKinnon doesn't play again and you lose the game, so what? You're playing Minnesota still. Just make sure you don't lose that home ice advantage and end up in third. But I think you've got a pretty decent cushion on the wild. So at this point, it's it's more important to be healthy than it is to win games. Me being who I am and kind of reading too far into scenarios, this is my personal theory. And of course, just speculation. You know, I love to speculate when it comes to things like this. I think Nathan McKinnon's absence in last night's game have less to do with physical health and more to do with mental health last time we saw i mean we've been discussing how over it he is and you could see it on his face he's starting to wear it right he's just angry a lot of times he's getting in fights which is throwing helmets at people that was so much fun (laughs) exactly so i think this was the avalanche saying we're in the playoffs We don't need Nathan McKinnon to win these next handful of games. We have a roster that can take care of it, especially considering our opponents, aside from Vegas. Let's give him a quick breather, let him recharge, get his mental health back where it needs to be before these playoffs games. Because we know we've heard from Robin Leonard, as I mentioned in the last segment, even Gabe Landeskog said it on Chicklets, just how mentally taxing this season has been on all the players. Which is nice that they're going to loosen those restrictions because I think that stems from the Robin Leonard uh, outburst that he had to the media. And I don't even want to call it an outburst. It was a respectful uh, monologue that he had. Uh, If only Ryan was here, I wish you guys could duke it out because he was not on board with that. Yeah, no, and I totally get it. The one thing that he missed, and I do remember hearing Ryan's opinion on that, the one thing that he did miss was to acknowledge that he's a multi-million dollar athlete. All he had to do was just say like, yes, I make a a lot of money as an athlete. However, I'm still struggling from mental health because there's people that don't make a lot of money that are financially hurt as well as mentally hurt. So all he needed to do was acknowledge that and he forgot to do that. That part I do agree with bolding on. But uh, in regards to the loosening restrictions, I think it stems from that. Uh, If you're McKinnon, you're playing Monday and you know you're going to play Monday because you want to beat Vegas. If he takes the other three games off, I wouldn't be upset about it. And I don't think anybody else would. I know I keep bringing up this stupid Chicklets interview with Gabe Landeskog. No, it was a great interview. It was great. He Of all the abs players we've ever heard interviewed on that show, I think that was hands down the best. He told Absolutely. the best stories. And I like how candid he was about, yeah, every time uh, we go to Vegas, we get down, right? And so they have that game against Vegas. I think win or lose, now that the restrictions are lifted, the players got to go hard. Yes. They got to just shake it up, party their little behinds off. Yeah. And Take just Brandon Saad and Devon Taves, introduce them to the rest of the team. Right. Get leave, yourself leave some, the minors behind. Some table service you know. somewhere in Vegas and just have a night and then gear up. You still have a And then a, have a night. Uh, yeah. On the ice. Yeah. And then have and then you just then you only have to play LA after that. And then you're back into the playoffs. And I think you're mentally recharged. You can go back out to dinners on the road. Everything, at least from their standpoint, is a little bit more back to normal. So they could get their head right and just, you know, think about the goal at hand. Yeah, the only thing is I'm still trying to figure out if those uh, uh, those those uh, new restrictions take effect now or for the playoffs, because it might be for the playoffs. I don't know mm. for sure. Uh, and I'm saying that because nobody has really confirmed that yet. So if that's the case, then you got to wait till you defeat, hopefully, Minnesota or St. Louis and play Vegas in the second round, assuming they win their first round matchup. 
man, obviously I don't know too much about this if you're an NHLer, but if it were me, I think the playoffs is a time to stay dry. I know you're not a drinker. You've never drank in your drinking in your life, but especially once you start to get older, it it runs in your system for a couple yeah. days. So I think if you're if you can't do it before the well, playoffs, it's a good start, thing old man Eric Johnson's not playing because all these guys are 21, 22. They should shake it off after a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess you're right. But if you can't do it before the uh, playoffs start, then you got to wait till the playoffs end. And yeah, that's but true. At least you'll be able to go to dinners, hang out, go golfing, do some things like that, and. You know, yeah, and it looks like teammates. it looks like Frank Saravalli says that the well, the the caption that he tweeted is details on the NHL's relaxed COVID nineteen protocol for fully vaccinated teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it looks like it's going to be for the twelve U.S. teams in the playoffs, starting in the playoffs. And he said about five to seven of them meet that threshold right now. I I would imagine the Avalanche are one of them because Bednar was open about them all getting vaccinated. Uh, which was what second week of April? That was their first dose, so their second dose was probably around now, late late April, early May. Which means by next week they would be eligible to have that two week threshold. Which is fair to to make it start on the playoffs because you know you look back to the bubble last year, and I'm sure there were players. You get your team gets eliminated, you go home, you're free, right? You're out of the bubble. You could go back to doing whatever you wanted. And I'm sure there are people still in the bubble looking out like, I want that. I wish that was yeah. me. I wish I wasn't in the playoffs. My team doesn't have a chance. Yeah. What are we even doing here? So now, once the season ends and half the league can go back to their regular lives... You can focus on actually playing hockey right? for once in a year and a half. As we mentioned, Devon Taves, uh, you know, kind of the new guy in the team and still hasn't really been acclimated in terms of the brotherly love. Uh, with, with McKinnon's absence last night, Devon Taves was wearing... The A on his sweater, alternate captain. Of course, that's another re- because Sam Gerrard's not out yeah, to have yeah. it. Yeah, it's 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 good to mention that Sam Gerrard was also out. He's been kind of the go-to for that A. Uh, but this just goes to show the kind of guy Devon Taves is. They don't want to throw an A on McCarr's jersey this quickly. Obviously, Byram is out and very young. You're not going to do it with McDonald. I'm a little surprised they didn't go the Patrick Nemeth route, and they probably would have if he was an avalanche for these last three years. Not because he's a great player, just because he's a little bit older, kind of like Ian Cole. When If Ian Cole was still here, he would have probably had the A on his sweater. Just an older guy, wiser veteran, kind of looking after the kids. But Devon Taves is no slouch either he's 26 he's a late bloomer he's been around for a little bit and uh it just goes to show the kind of player they have in him not only him but the rest of the team i think there are four the respect they have towards him four guys that are currently out eric johnson matt calvert sam gerard and maybe even throw in brandon sod those are all four guys that you can easily throw an a on their sweater yeah. too and in past years they've thrown the a on to the sweater of nazim kadri they haven't this year because they went the rantanen route and rantanen just seems like He's 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 a grown up man now. He's not a kid. Mm-hmm. Just leadership all around. But his, it's, his interviews, everything, just everything about him has been awesome this year. Yeah, I just thought it was very telling to see an A on Devon Taves' sweater for once, and uh, you know just how quickly he acclimated to being leader. Not not that it's surprising because we kind of knew this was going to be the case from the start, but just seeing that come to fruition. Um, I guess right now is a great time to take a second and tell you guys about DraftKings, guys. Big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card. From Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler, there will be no shortage of action. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight with 100 to 1 odds again. One fighter will be walking away with the belt. Will you be walking away with the cash? Just pick the main event fighter you think will win, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right. Bet $1 on select fighters, and if they win, you win 
dollars. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. They said hockey. They said hockey. And oh tonight, they've got another 1 to 100 odds uh, on Canelo. So uh, that's coming out tonight. So definitely look out for that. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main card fighter to win. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. At this point, if you're still a new customer for DraftKings, I don't know what you're doing because you need to jump on these promotions. They are awesome and it's it's really easy to win money. Absolutely. Canelo. Canelo tonight. <laughs> Um, while we talked about the biggest conversation around the NHL, which was Tom Wilson at the top of the show, I think the biggest conversation around Avalanche land this week has been the addition of Alex Newhook, not only getting to join the team, but actually getting some minutes. And not, not only that, looking like he's going to be a mainstay. Yeah, he looks pretty good. I mean, you can tell he's still acclimating himself. This is by no means Kale McCarr jumping in, scoring a goal and looking like a five-year NHL veteran defenseman. But this is a kid that's been playing with guys like Kadri and Burakovsky, guys like Comfort. He's gotten some shifts yesterday with uh, Rantanen and Landeskog in McKinnon's place. He had an assist. I mean, it was a, it was a gimme. He passed the puck to Burakovsky and he gave it to Makar, and Makar did Makar things. Makar just had so, a night last night. Too. Just just a hell of a, a heck of a secondary assist, I should say, for uh, Alex Newhook there. But uh, he looks like he fits. He's he looked better yesterday than he did in his first game, and I'm sure today, Saturday, he's going to look even better in his third game and just grow from there and. I mean, the Avalanche are burning the first year of his entry-level deal regardless just by playing him. So he's an option in the playoffs. You're not going to keep him kind of hidden uh, for next season. You're going to use him regardless, and 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 that's a good piece to have. Yeah, I think that tells you everything right there, right? He only had, how many games did he play with the Eagles? Like eight? Yeah, and he had uh, five goals and there you four go. assists, I want to say. So it took the Avalanche organization eight games in the AHL for them to say, nope, this guy's no longer playing in the AHL. This guy needs to be in the NHL. We don't care if we have to burn his ELC. He might not even play that many playoff minutes. We want him with the real squad, which is telling. Again, he hasn't done anything quite amazing yet, but you could tell he can hang. He just got to get his feet under underneath him and get, like you said, acclimated. And I'm excited to see what this guy has to offer. I mean, it's just crazy the abundance of young talent the Avalanche have mixed with talent that's, you know, plateauing. Yeah, and, and last Saturday was his last game in the AHL. He had a two-goal game, and and uh, fellow first-rounder Justin Barron had two assists that game, and, and that was all the Avalanche needed to see. They brought him up, and he's been playing since. Last thing before we get out of here for this segment, Bo Byram. Yes. What's the update? Is he going to be playoff ready? That's the hope. Uh, there hasn't really been much word on him lately. The hope is he's ready by then. The hope is Brandon Saad and Sam Girard get one game in before the playoffs or are ready for the playoffs. So it seems like the Avalanche are going to get a bunch of guys back over these next seven or eight days. Because uh, let's face it, the Ask close out their season Thursday. That means they're either starting Saturday or Sunday, the playoffs, a oh, week from today. It's crazy playoffs. to think it's coming that fast. Playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. 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 I love it. All right. Well, that'll do it playoffs. for Power Play number two here on the Hockey Show. I'm JJ Drez, Arif Dean stepping in for Ryan Bolding, and as usual, Danny Bailey taking care of us behind the glass. We'll be right back for the mixed bag skate and wrap up the show.
play hockey and I fornicate because it's the two most fun things in cold weather. Oh, welcome back. I love that, Danny. Thanks for finding that for us. That's going to be a mainstay as well, just like Alex's new hook. But this show is weird. Welcome back in. Hey, we have fun here, right? <laughs> it's less about being informative. You know, our, our, our podcast, Arif, that's our focus, right? We want to inform the fans. We want to be entertaining. Here, the focus is just being entertaining. Uh, you've yeah. listened. I mess things up left and right. But hey, we have fun on the show. People have fun listening to us. That's the point here. So welcome into segment number four, the Mixed Bag Skate. We talk a little bit about everything going on in the hockey world. Not too much going on in the hockey world. As excited as we are for playoffs, we kind of broke down the entire playoff picture. We broke down everything going on. No real playoff races, just Nashville, Dallas, and it's pretty much in the bag. And just, yeah, at this point, it's just everybody's waiting for the playoffs like us and Nate. Right. One fun thing that I saw on the internet this week was Rob Gronkowski. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You could have just stopped at Rob Gronkowski. Super Bowl winning Rob Gronkowski steps on the ice, puts on the pads, and tries to play goalie with the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is what I love about this story, Arif. You hear it so many times from the non-hockey fan. Oh, why don't you just put a big guy in there and he'll stop everything? You watch Rob Gronkowski. The dude can barely move. He can't. Yeah. He can't stand on his skates, let alone move around in the pads, drop down into a butterfly. He looks like if, you know. You jumped in net for the first time and oh, Lord. tried to do it. So I, I love the fact that somebody, just a, a supreme athlete, steps in net and everybody realizes, holy cow, he has zero chance at that. Hockey and goaltending is much more complicated than the layman's fan thinks. Especially goaltending because there's a lot of flexibility. I mean, Killorn and Stamkos are shooting these light wristers from beyond the circles and he's just barely catching them into his gloves. He's barely bent down. He doesn't really have the mobility and the flexibility to do it. It takes so much more than you think to do something like that. It's it's pretty insane. Thank you. Thank you. This, but it's so much fun. This brings me <laughs> back to a conversation Ryan and I had a few months ago when Ken Dryden came out and said that goaltenders are too big. All they have to do is just sit on the ice in their yeah, butterfly and they'll stop everything. yells at clouds is what Thank it was. you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you, Arif. I guess we can wrap up that conversation. I expected that to go a different route because of my usual partner. He would have said- It's be so awkward when you tell Ryan that I'm replacing him full time. <laughs> <laughs> that's not it i like ryan i like ryan um so we talked a little bit about the avalanche last segment i think it's time to kind of look since the season's coming to an end awards are going to be more of a conversation as we approach the end of the year here so let's look among the avalanche team and all the nhl awards what possible awards do you think will avalanche players or maybe even avalanche coach be a candidate for well, obviously, it's Nathan McKinnon winning the Lady Bang. <laughs> no, no, not this year. But there's a lot of other awards. Philip Grubauer is going to be up for the Vezina. Uh, I, I would imagine Kel McCarr is going to be in the Norris conversation. McKinnon is likely going to be number three in the Hart Trophy candidate uh, conversation behind McDavid and Matthews. And uh, good old Jared Bednar for Coach of the Year is also a very big possibility. People are starting to really respect him as a coach. If you ask me which one what had the... The best odds of winning it, in my opinion, McCarr missed 12 games. If that was seven or eight, I would say he'd have the Norris locked up, but I don't think they're going to give it to him for playing 46, 44 out of just 56 games. It's it's too little bit. Um, I like Grubauer's odds at the Vezina, especially considering what was happening with the Avalanche every time he wasn't playing and the long stretches he went on. Uh, and then a close second, I like Bednar's odds as coach of the year. And then obviously, like I said, McKinnon's going to be third behind Matthews and McKinnon, Matthews and McDavid, in my opinion. Yeah, let's unpack those one by one. I want to start with the Jack Adams, which is the coach of the year, Jared yeah. Bednar. 
I think he's probably going to get overlooked this year just because the Avalanche, while they were good, they didn't do anything amazing throughout the year, right? They had a, about a month stretch where they were unbeatable, but other than that, you know, it was just a good season, nothing spectacular. I think there were years past where Jared Bednar definitely deserved to win with weaker teams, less results, and got overlooked then too. So I, I, not holding my breath, I think he should win it just because he should have won it in years past and it's overdue for Jared Bednar, but... I'm a little afraid that he's going to get overlooked on this one. Yeah, I kind of see that too. But when I look around the league, I don't really see anybody else that really has done anything special. Toronto's good. They should have been good. It's funny to me how much people around the league credit Pete DeBoer for Vegas' no, no, success. No, no, no. I don't, I don't buy that either for the same reason you just said about the Avalanche. Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston Islanders, same thing. The two that stick out to me are Joel Quinville, but that's a matter of mm -hmm. a team that was underachieving finally playing where it should be. Uh, but the other two are Dean Evison in Minnesota, kind of like when Patty Wall won the award in 2014. It was because of an electric rookie. I mean, as part of a great team. Uh, and a same, great goalie. And a great goalie. Same thing's going on in Minnesota. But I think Bedner's real competition here is Rod Brindamore mm -hmm. because Carolina's 36-10-8. They're about to lock up the President's Trophy. They have a plus 50 goal differential. Colorado's plus 52. The only difference is the Avalanche had two COVID pauses that really screwed them. Because otherwise, the Avalanche would likely win, like I said, the President's Trophy, the West Division, uh, the NHL, you know, most points in the league. And and I think that the, right now the competition is between Jared Bednar and Rod Brindamore. I like throwing Joe Quinville in there, too. I thought that was an interesting one you, you said that I didn't even think of. But you look at what happened in Florida, especially when Ekblad went down, right? You kind of thought... That, that's a big one. Yeah. You kind of thought that might be thing. the end of yep. the year for, for Florida. And then they kind of persevered. And you can't discount what Joe Quinville's done in the past. You got to feel good about their chances in the playoffs. Of course, it's against Tampa Bay. But yeah, Rob Brindamore is probably the hands-down winner, especially because what they have in that team isn't anything special, right? They have a handful of good players. They got Svechnikov, Aho, but they don't have a Nathan McKinnon-esque player. They don't have a Kale McCarr. They don't have a Miko Rantanen. He's, he's just a great coach right now. There's there isn't enough good things to say about the kind of season that the Carolina Hurricanes are having and what Rod Brindamore has done for that organization, um, which is why, like I said, Bednar winning the Vezina, or the Jack Adams, excuse me, is the second best odds, in my opinion, behind Grubauer winning the Vesna. Now let's unpack that then. The Vesna, yes. I, I think it's really between three goalies right now, right? And they're, interestingly, three of my favorite goalies in the league, I would say. Gruby, Flurry, Vasilevsky. I was going to throw Varley in there. Okay, yeah, actually, no, yeah, Var no, actually, yeah, I could see Varley being in there too. I really don't like the idea of Vasilevsky winning it this year. He's on a good team, a good team doing good things, playing a bunch of other teams that are not really that good. Uh, and they only got third in their division. Or, or sec Yeah, they're fighting for second and yeah. third with Florida and Carolina, but I just don't think that Vasilevsky's done anything to light the world on fire this year. Mm -hmm. I think Flurry. Flurry is one, Grubauer is one, and Varley. You know what? Those are probably my top three as well. Uh, the thing that might hold Varley back is he's 19, 11, and four. Um, you want to see a little bit more than 19 wins. Grubauer is 28, 9, and one. So basically 28 and 10, and Flurry is 24, 10, and 0. So literally 24 and 10. Mm -hmm. So those numbers just look a lot better. Vasilevsky is the only one with 30 wins. He's got 31. Granted, I could see Grubauer starting two more games and hopefully winning both if he beats Vegas and ending the season with 30. It's just, to me, right now, what Grubauer has provided the Avalanche and what they've been unable to do with him not in net is, is the telling tale for why he should win it. 
wins uh, above replacement, right? Exactly. And and it's it's easier to win above your replacement when your replacement is Hunter Miska and, and <laughs> Jonas Johansson, who came in with one career win, and, and Devin Dubnik, who's been doing whatever the heck he's been doing since he came. I still don't know if I like him or not. It's weird. And then lastly, with Kale McCarr, I think you're right. The, the lack of games and a couple injuries here and there are going to kind of hurt yeah. his chances. Uh, I think Hedman is the league-wide favorite. But what do you think about all of the conversation around Adam Fox and the New York Rangers? I don't really buy it. I don't love it. I, I love Adam Fox as a player, and he's great. And if you ask me, uh, hot take over here, I think he's better than Quinn Hughes because he's better defensively than Quinn Hughes. But the Rangers are starting a good team this year, and that matters. That always matters. It always will. Uh, whether I agree with it or not is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it is going to matter that the Rangers are not in the playoffs. Uh, Kale McCarr is going to miss 12 games, assuming he plays these last four. If he missed 12 games in a regular season and put up 75 points in a 70-game season and did Kale McCarr things defensively, you can win the you can win the Norris Trophy. But in a 56-game season, missing 12 is just such a big chunk that you know he's going to get overlooked by someone like Hedman, who it's kind of, I mean, it's the Norris Trophy. It's what they do. Bringing in someone like McCarr and Fox is a little bit harder. They just say, I don't really want to be that person to bring in a new name. Let's just go back to what we know. And Hedman's had a great year. I just don't know if it's worthy of the Norris. Yep. I hear it. And then last thing, just really quick, Miko Rantanen hits his 30 goal mark Mico last night. I love it. Love to see it. Love Miko Rantanen's growth and just catching attention around the league. So 30 goals in 48 games. He beat McKinnon's record of doing it in 49 last year. So that's pretty dang good, if you ask me. There you go. And we got an Avs game tonight. So don't forget to catch them 8 o'clock against the LA Kings again. Let's see if they can get the uh, second of a back to back. But thanks for hanging out with a special edition of the hockey show, Arif. Thanks for hanging out, too. You did great. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I made Um, it through the hour. Yeah. So we'll be back next week, as always, and we'll be talking playoff hockey. Whoop, whoop. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hockey show right here on My Eye Sports. Thanks, Danny.